Let's begin now. Good morning, Kansas City. Jay Binkley here. Grant Nicholson producing the operation. No dust man today. He'll be back with you um, this week some point. What's up, Grant? What's up, Jay? How are you? Hey, we're doing good, man. Just another good sports weekend. They're all good sports weekends, right? I mean, it really hasn't been a bad one. Recently, it's been pretty good. Yeah, it's been a bit about the Final Four this weekend. We were treated to a really good game um, last night. And did you watch Final Four last night? Or are you uh, K-Stated out and... They've crushed your feelings and your I, hopes and your I, dreams. I was monitoring it, but I'll be honest. I was pretty, I was rooting pretty hard for FAU to lose. Really? So you're not buying into the FAU? I'm out. You know I'm, the one I'm thing, glad they lost. You know the one thing people didn't talk about? Like, I mean, they, maybe they did. I don't know. Florida Atlantic's in Boca Raton, you know, and Miami. They're 57 miles from each other. Can you imagine had they played, which very good chance they could have played the national title game. 57 miles apart between two schools in the Final Four. Or championship game. Can you imagine that if that would have happened? Would, would their fans have cared? No. Neither of those schools have, like, a rabid fan base. Well, Miami must be getting some buzz because that is the top paid team in college basketball for nil money. I just can't believe that people are willing to pay the U that much money for basketball, including your guy, Nigel Pack. Well, the problem is that they've got a good basketball team and a good basketball coach and their football team has been bad for 20 years now. And I need Lane Kiffin back, right? Yeah. But then, so there was, there was the, that game which ended like this. On the drive against AG, puts it up, short rebound, AG! AG got the rebound, here are the Aztecs down, one, four, three, Lamont Butler, Lamont Butler, pull up jump shot, good! 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 They're storming the court! They're storming the court! Who's going to the championship game? Not FAU. No, no, no. The San Diego State Aztecs are going to the NCAA championship game on Monday. How about them Aztecs? How about them boys? How about those Aztecs? The most popular thing coming out of San Diego State since Marshall Falk. Can you believe that they're in the Final Four? I mean, it's unbelievable that San Diego State would be in the championship game or Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic would have been believable because they didn't go Division One until, what, 2000, something like that. Too. They've only been, what, two two tournaments, two dances, Florida Atlantic. Both of them are improbable to go. And then, of course, you have UConn that just beats the hell out of everybody. And UConn's going for five championships in 24 years. They're blue blood now, would you That's say? That's pretty impressive. I mean, there's this big debate. They blue blood or not? Yes, 100%. One out of every five in the last... Yeah. Two decades? With three different coaches. And San Diego State's been a good program, too. It's kind of a kind of a pretty interesting championship game on Monday. It is. I, I actually looking forward to it. I think it's been fun. A lot of people don't like this. They want to see the Blue Bloods in the in the Final Four. I'm okay with this format. And I know people say, well, Nil's gonna change everything. Let's just slow down for a minute. Because remember last year, the Final Four was all about the Blue Bloods, right? It's cyclical. Things are going to happen. I'm not ultimately worried about this, but it does kind of level the playing field. I kind of I mean, kind of for that. We haven't seen any of that in football yet at this point, Grant. I think we probably will, though. Maybe. I, I don't know. It, it does. Basketball is a little bit different because three or four players can really change the outlook of your whole program. In football, you really need 10 to 15 guys to do that. So I think the transfer portal has really changed college sports. It's not the because that fine line between a head coach in college and high and in pros has never been this close before, right? 
because we've seen other coaches in college football go to the NFL and fail. You know, Lou Holtz, people forget him. He left and went to the Minnesota Vikings, came back. Steve Spurrier jumped to the NFL, came back. Nick Saban failed the NFL, came back. Urban Meyer, successful college coach, fails in the NFL, which kind of surprised me a little bit because he's in that new era. Because right now, the, the fine line between college coaches and pro sports is not there. Because once you be able to pay your athletes and you're not worried about the 1230 a.m. phone call about $100 handshakes, and you have the transfer portal, which is free agency in college athletics. Like, you're not worried about any of that? that? That was the fine line. Coaches used to have everything. They'd control your scholarship. You couldn't transfer within the conference. They controlled every single little thing that you did. They don't have that control anymore. You can hit that portal, baby, and you're gone. It's that simple. So, anyway, we get the uh, Final Four uh, tomorrow night. The women, uh, Caitlin Clark. I don't know if you've, you've watched her at all. I saw the game on Friday. I kind of keep an eye on it as they played the Elite Eight and stuff. But she, I, she's fun to watch. Like she is. She is I made fun Friday appointment viewing against South Carolina. Well, that yeah. was good. South Carolina had a forty-two game winning streak that was snapped. That's a blue blood. Caitlin Clark forty and ten. That yeah. doesn't just happen. Never been done. Doesn't just happen. Yeah, she's unbelievable. And then you got Kim Mulkey of LSU, the coach of LSU. It's a lot of fun as well. So it's going to be that game's at two thirty. It's a weird time to have a championship game though, isn't it? Two thirty, but they are getting national exposure on. ABC and Caitlin Clark does bring in the ratings for him. Like that's been a big thing. Like for her being in the championship game is huge. I heard someone say six million for the game on Friday night. It was like five and a half, six million, something like that. Was pretty impressive. So we got that. We got the championship game tomorrow night. Uh, We got the Masters coming up. A lot of good things uh, coming up, Grant. But of course, this is also opening week in Major League Baseball. Are you glad baseball's back? Yeah, I'm glad baseball's back. I'm glad baseball's around. Well, it's. It's America's fun. I, I, it's not America's pastime. It's football now. We all know that. But it's America's picnic. It's somewhere to go and have a beer and a hot dog and watch baseball. I do wish the Royals were uh, playing better. How about that? You know, I was talking about this uh, last night with my friends at uh, Call Sign Brewery, right? I'm trying to be nice about it, but I wish they were playing better. We just got into one of those you know, barstool debates that you have from time to time. And I remember sitting on this airwaves. Back in 2015, when Henry and I were doing the day shift, right? And I don't know if you would have sold yourself out like this, but I did. I said, give me a championship. I'll take 10 years of mediocrity. Oh, no. You know what? I offered it up on the text I've... line. I offered it up the phone calls. Every single person, I know it's, it's you know, small sample size, but literally everybody texted us, everybody called, everybody texted, would have done the same thing, which yeah. is pretty crazy. Nowadays, oh, I would never have said that. Yeah, you did. I think it's fair. I would say the same thing. You know, it's kind of what we did. We traded a championship two great years for some bad, bad stretches on either side of those championship runs. I mean, you got to think about it. You know, Kaufman, Arrowhead, the Boulevard of Broken Dreams between them. You just didn't see success in Kansas City. You just didn't see it. And then, you know, then Sporting came out, won a cup. It's like, all right, what about the Royals and Chiefs? When are they going to do something? And then you look at the landscape of baseball, the haves, the haves nots, the TV contracts, like they ever going to have a chance. And then came 14 and 15, actually 13 when they actually weren't officially eliminated from Chicago until the final series of the year. That's when you knew the ball was rolling. That's when you knew this was going to be a good team. And then, of course, what the Chiefs are doing is just insane. Don't take it for granted, five straight AFC title games. It just doesn't happen, Grant. But I, with baseball, I, I sat here because it had been so far long since 85 to win a championship, right? And I wanted to see it. So when you think, okay, Give me a championship that'll take 10 years of mediocrity. It sounds crazy. 
It sounds crazy, but that's how bad I won the championship. Well, and the problem was you'd already had 10 years of mediocrity before that. Oh, we had 30, buddy. <laughs> 10 years to be nice. Time it's three. like you're not really signing up for much if you're like, I take a championship right now. If just keep going what we're doing after this. Or the Chiefs. And you might say, because the Chiefs are one of these teams, they're going to win multiple, and you know that. They've already won two. You know what's going to happen. But think about this. My whole life, I grew up a Chiefs fan. The only time I ever saw him play an AFC title game was the 1993 season in 94 in Buffalo. That's it. Joe Montana. That's it. When they got smanked by Buffalo in Buffalo, and then this five straight run that run. Well, what do you want? I mean, will you take the uh, 10 years of mediocrity? Because now you look back and say, well, no, we want to win. Well, you know what? That 10 years are almost up, Grant. Believe it or not, I mean, that 10 years is almost this up. This is only year seven, right? Well, it's 2015. This is. 2023, I think, right? So we got two more years. Yeah. It's going to happen. But anyway, so opening day came and went this year. The 15 opening day games, they averaged two hours and 45 minutes. Like, baseball's proud of this. Like, they're proud of these games being shortened. You hear it everywhere. Oh, the games are shorter and all this. Do you really care? I mean, you they, now the, the Kauffman did increase the, the beer till the eighth inning now instead of the seventh. So they got that. But I, when I did the Royals post game, I never heard one person leaving Kaufman that said, oh, man, that game was too long. You know why? Because they drove up from Wichita or down from Lincoln. Or they drove over from Kirksville or Cape Girardeau, Springfield. They spent all that money on gas and their tickets, and they came to Kansas City. They just wanted a good time, right? They didn't care if it's three hours and 15 minutes. They didn't care if it's three hours and 20 minutes. I do get it, though. Because this sport is predicated on what happens with television ratings. And is it that make that much difference? If Baseball sometimes is background noise. Because you're working, you're doing whatever. Because it's on basically every night. But does it matter if it was shortened? I think there's other things baseball could have done. I do like this, though. I, it's kind of mixed. I, I've been mixed on all these new rules, but I end up liking them. I love the new rule. Like, I, I love the pitch clock. Basic. I love all that stuff. I was kind of mixed on it, but I absolutely love it. Just the, Only because the part that really grinded my gears about baseball and the lengths you talk about, it's not that people going out to the games like, oh, these games are too long. It's when I'm watching It's when I'm watching on TV and there's a first pitch ball outside and the batter steps out of the box and he redoes his gloves and he yeah. redoes his shin guards and his elbow guard. He takes his hat off and shakes his hair around. That's the part that really annoyed me. Don't like the first base 50,000 times. Yeah, I've got to watch 30 minutes of this guy take his clothes off and put them back on before I can get to the next pitch. And he does it all over again. You know what the part That's that, the part I don't like. The parts that used to bother me. I like watching all the late night baseball, Ray Grant. If you're on MLB Network late at night, it's usually Padres. The yeah, Padres or Dodgers, something like that. Even when Kenley Jansen was back uh, with the Dodgers, I'll never forget like how long one inning would take with teams like the Dodgers. Because it would like they, just like you said, like they would take their time. Kinley would think about things and walk around that mound, and it's like, "Vogue, your damn pitch, man, let's go!" And then the guys stepping out of the box and stuff like this. And then when they made them keep their foot in there, that was a big thing. But I was mixed at first because I'm one of these, you know, traditionalists. Like, am I, I going to like it or not? I do, but I've never complained about the length of the games. Like that's the part that I just don't care about, right? Because that's you're going to a sporting event. They're going to be long events. I don't care. Go to a college football game and tell me how long it takes. College football <laughs> games can be pretty wicked in terms of it's a time day long they activity. take. It's a day it's long pretty activity. rough. 
But anyway, we're going to talk to Josh Vernier, our Royals insider, coming up at 1030 live from Kauffman Stadium. Then I'll join him in the Royals pregame uh, for a fun little uh, betting nugget for today's game. Looking forward to. But, you know, the NFL Draft, we do the Character Concerns podcast. We put it out every uh, – it goes out a new one every Tuesday. Uh, this week we'll have Chad Reuter from uh, NFL.com on. We've had Kathy Nelson on, you name it. It's the draft. It's about Kansas City. It's a little flavor of what Kansas City has to offer and so we put it out each week. We've done a Chiefs mock draft. This past week, we took a look at a mock draft with every team in the NFL. We did that just, to, just in case. We didn't do any trades. We just wanted, okay, what's the board going to look like by the time the Chiefs get to 31? Do they need to trade up? Is it time to trade back? Other rounds, they can trade up then. What are you about positions? What if the four wide receivers, the four top wide receivers are gone? At that point, do you alignment? So anyway, we'll talk about that stuff. Ron Comp, earlyheadpride.com is going to sit in here for the next hour. And we're taking all Kansas City Chiefs, talking the NFL draft. Any of your questions, 913-586-7610 is the phone number. Talk to Vern, come up at 1030. But anyway, Ron Kopp, ArrowheadPride.com next. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Hey, welcome back. Happy Sunday to everybody still out there that hasn't been blown away by this incredible win. Very intrepid as this win. Grant Nicholson with me here now and sitting in studio with me. Longtime friend. And I could use longtime friend because I covered this guy throwing six interceptions in a high school oh, football wow. game once as quarterback. Wow, Jay. Come on. Shiny it's too North early North. to be taking shots like that come that on now. ron cop like lead analyst here with pride yes now. sir yes sir i've known you for a long time ron you even came out when we were doing, was doing the royals post game you were yeah, just in, you, were, absolutely. you were a high school kid you came in and see the saw the trailer. yeah i saw the rv yeah so you gave me the tour of the inside uh yeah i think those were uh more fun times more fun royal times too i i, I would tell you that i think they were uh, a little more fun to go out to the park and, and see at those times so i kind of miss those days jay i'm not gonna you know lie. my life i've never seen so many interceptions in one game Jay, come on, dog. All right, <laughs> NFL scared. draft. Let's talk through. Uh, <laughs> Did you ever mentally get over that, though? Six in one game, Ron. It, it, it was tough. It was on a Thursday night, I remember, so I had to go to school the next day, it's right? It, wasn't a, it wasn't a Friday night. You know, Friday night you can get away with, you know, you don't see anybody for the weekend. But Thursday night you're going right back into the, the thick of it. You know, we defense played well that game. We could have easily won. It was like, what, 16, 14, I'm I want to say. I'm with oh, you. man, it, it, it stays with me. Shout out to anybody that was uh, <laughs> any of my defenders, man. They played their butts off that I game. I messed with so. you, but I did call that game. So I just yes. always remember yes. Ron Coppin. But anyway, it's a lot more fun now. Always you and I have been talking that. draft last couple of years and stuff. You're with our partners over at Arrowhead Pride. Yes, sir. And we have a fun time talking about the NFL draft. And, of course, we've been doing that Character Concerns podcast. we got another one coming on here Tuesday all about the draft. I know you have just really – dove into this the top 30 visits the chiefs have done yes which is interesting we'll talk about that the nfl gets each team gets 30 visits and they can set them up with whoever they want you see the names start to trickle or guys are at the airport and they instagram photo or twitter photo right. you know Kansas city airport here i come don't put any stock into that like if you're out there don't i mean they do it for the later round guys and undrafted different mode than what other teams do because they want to see what you're about. They know all about the second and third rounders and stuff like this. They like right. to know about them. And then also, it's a chess game, and they do it as a chess match. Because I'll say this, Ron, on draft night, we get a chance to talk to all these guys. And one of the questions out of – well, actually, the media loves barbecue. It's like, what's your favorite barbecue? Yeah. Right. So once they get that crap out of the way, <laughs> they get to it if you talk to the Chiefs. And sometimes they say – well, most times they say no. 
Yeah, no, I get that. And it's honestly the what I see it as is like the first round picks or like the higher round picks. I think it's more medical, I think, a lot of times. Or they're just trying to check out background stuff. A lot of times it's maybe some, you know, guys that maybe have something character wise, you know, in their in their past. Maybe I think that's always it's always character it's, concerns. Right. Hey, shout out. Uh, but it, it just always kind of seems to line up that way. But you're right. I think the undrafted the later round ones. Hey, they brought in Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams on a visit last year, drafted them both. I, I happened to write them up for the site, and that's why we try to get all of these because you never know when they're going to get one of them, especially the undrafted free agents, the priority free agents. I think that's where you can kind of maybe learn something. A safety like Jarek Reed, the New Mexico safety, yeah. I think he kind of fits maybe what they would like in a depth defensive back. The, the cornerback they just brought in, Khalif Hus, I, I don't want to say his name wrong, but he's from Western Kentucky, former Oregon um, player. So there's some maybe some late-round defensive backs, some depth special teams guys that you could maybe uh, take away from. Well, they had the third most games played in the NFL by rookies last year. Yeah. Um, 61 starts, and the only two teams better than them are the two teams picking one and two in the draft. Wow. Okay, so you got them Good one stat. and two, and then you got the Chiefs at three. They win the Super Bowl. The other two drafted one and two. It just shows how improbable it was. Like, them winning the Super Bowl last year defied all odds in probability. And I'll, I'll say this, Ron. It's like Albert Brewer. I'm sure you read it. It's Sports Illustrated, the Monday Monday quarterback, great stuff. Uh, but he, he writes there. Every week, and he did a great piece during the Super Bowl the second week, and it was about the uh, the planning ahead for Mahomes, where Brent Tellis, which is probably the best cap guy in the NFL with the Chiefs, and Brett Veach. That's why I always thought Orlando Brown <laughs> was in a complete mismatch with him and his agent sitting down with the Chiefs because he's got an agent that's never represented an NFL player, and you're sitting there at a table with the guys that have played. You're sitting there with guys with World Series of Poker bracelets, and you've never played the game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, it's it's going to be tough, but they planned ahead. Mahomes hadn't even started yet. He's back in 17. He's behind Alex Smith, and they put it together to plan, okay, how are we going to pay this guy? And they thought about it and said, they, they rolled the dice. They said, okay, this guy, I can see MVP. I can see Super Bowl champion. What are we going to do about it? Then they pay him. Well, then you got to get creative. Yes. And as, exactly. and as we've talked about, 21 of 22 guys, the last 22 picks are on the roster, which is the only team in the NFL that can say that. And the one guy who's not actually on the roster, he's still with the Chiefs, is Cornell Powell who's on the practice squad. So, technically, 21 of the last 22. Bo Pete is the only one. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's not here. Bo Pete. From the last three years. That's how you win. And I get to hear this old Jalen Hurts, can have a dynasty. Okay. Pay Burrow, pay Hurts, yeah. and pay Herbert, and then tell me if they're winning. Because that Mahomes has been paid and they win. That's the hardest thing is to pay your quarterback and still win. The Chiefs did it only because when you have four defensive backs that are rookies, and two seventh-round picks that are making a difference in Isaiah Pacheco right. and Watson with two interceptions. Yeah, in the two big interceptions and, and back-to-back draft classes with a lot of impact players. Honestly, you could say maybe even three consecutive draft classes with, with impact players, and that's why I think you could maybe make the case that you could come into this draft with what you just laid out, having all of these guys already set in. Hey, why don't we maybe not take as many rookies this time? We don't need a, the quantity of rookies. Let's maybe try to be aggressive, trade up for guys that we really believe in to be impact players. Still have that same philosophy. We're playing young players. We're getting young players into play right away to help with that Mahomes contract. We'll help the other big deals. But you already have that quantity. You've had the last couple of drafts. You just laid it out. They've, they've hit home run after home run in terms of just role players, guys that can play. Let's maybe try to just, you know, uh, maybe not have the quantity this time, but the quality. Try to go for, you know, hey, if you got to sacrifice, you know, a few of the late later round picks, you have two fourth round picks to work with. You have two sixth round picks to work with. You know, you have what, you know, is it 11 picks, Jay? I know you've been, you know, 
<laughs> You've been trying to make 10. sure it's ten. Is it ten? Gosh, now now I'm now I'm you're tripping me up. But well, because every simulator shows eleven. I know, right? And, and that's what Fitton, I'm saying. I can't remember. Fitton didn't get the pick. Right, exactly. But all that to say, ten picks now. You know, what if they only end with five or six selections by the end of it? Because they want to be aggressive, get guys that they they truly believe in, and maybe not take the hey, you know, let's get a quantity of guys like they did last year. Like you know, they had a ton of picks last year and 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 had a ton of guys. Maybe just try to get the quality of picks this time because they've had so many good picks or draft classes the last couple of years. You know, the, the saying goes, luck is merely when chance meets opportunity. Do you consider this luck or do you consider this skill at this point to be able to draft guys later rounds, mid rounds, undrafted, which he's always done, whether it's Byron Pringle, whether it's anybody that comes in here as an undrafted free agent. They've had a lot of success with undrafted, Turk Wharton, guys like they've had a lot of success with undrafted guys. Yeah. But Absolutely. at this point, there's no other way to look at it and say it's skill. Because one year, okay, again, I'm, I'm from the show me state, Ron. I know you live over here in Kansas, but <laughs> show me, man. Do it again. Back it up. Well, at this point, it's more skill than I would say luck. Well, and that's the thing. I, I, I do want to give the whole organization uh, you know, credit for skill, but I would almost say it's the development that deserves more of the, the skill kind of credit for them being able to hit such a high batting average of guys becoming impact players. There's, there's time, you know, I'm sure there's teams, there's other places where these same kind of players, these same Josh Williams, Jalen Watsons, even as and Isaiah Pacheco, they may go somewhere else and not have the same sort of, uh, you know, impact right away because they're not in the same sort of organization, the same coaching staff, the same team they have around them. So it, Brett Veach obviously deserves credit for getting these guys, but I would honestly say the reason they're maybe hitting on such a high batting average is probably because of the development of the players more. And, than and it's a great coaching staff. There's a bunch of right. good dudes around here. They're like and the Chiefs mo is guys help each other out. Well, yeah, know, it's like Frank iron Clark. sharpens iron, right? Like it's, it's it's Frank Clark taking which taking George Kalata center's wings. I mean, it's going way back. It's even when you know Brandon Albert was here and would help out Eric Fisher. It's it's Tom Bali and everything he did for D Ford. I mean. You don't see that very often. You see a lot of pettiness. <laughs> yeah. You see, you know, Brett Favre and the way he allegedly treated Rodgers and stuff like that. To begin. But there's a bunch of jealousy. And this guy's coming to take my job. Alex Smith, the perfect example of it. Right. He knew his days were numbered. When they, when they drafted Mahomes, he basically knew it's time to get uh, a new luggage tag. <laughs> he just had to. It's just the business of the NFL. They're not going to draft a quarterback 10th and start you for two straight years. Not going to happen. Right. He's lucky he kept on his job that long. Because Mahomes is doing the stuff in practice. And keep in mind, this guy won the MVP of the year after. Yeah. And he was doing things at practice where Derek Johnson's sitting there going, oh, my God, I can't believe he's doing this. Yeah. And in training camp, Brett Beach and all of them are running up to the dorms just to look and see what Mahomes did that day with the scout team. Not to play him in that playoff game against the Titans had been one of the toughest decisions, <laughs> especially at halftime. Instead of pull the Nick Saban Two over Jalen Hurts, the national title game. But anyway, we'll be right back in just a second. I want to go look now. We, we talked about the Chiefs drafting and how important it is. Let's take a look. Will they use all 10 picks? or When, when will they trade? Will they trade the first round or be beyond? Ron Kopp, leading on SteroheadPride.com next. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Welcome back. Happy Sunday out there to everybody uh, out and about driving around. Grant Nicholson producing the operation. Still wearing his Wildcat stuff. I'll never take it off, Jay. I think you should. Bury me in purple. Did you tat up yet? No. With the Wildcat? I don't have any tattoos. You need one. The I should? Wildcats. Yeah, everybody your age has one. So, wait, so just because everyone my age has one? Everybody your age eats Tide Pods and gets tatted. Oh, 
Ron, we're about the same age. Do you have a yeah, tattoo? I, I do not, and I've never on, consumed Jay. a Tide Pod. So, uh, no. Ron is an outlier. I'll just say for someone. Why can't we be the same? We're not the outliers. Look at us. There's two of us in the room. It's true. No, I'll just say for someone that had a future on K-State to go to the Final Four, I'm, I'm, that, that sweatshirt definitely hits me kind of hard. So uh, I don't know. That's, Wait, uh, he's got the porn stash and you get the, uh, <laughs> the, the hair down to your butt. It's not. It's up. It's in a bun today, dude. It's up high. It's not anywhere near my butt. You've got Tide Pods in your lunchbox. It's a nice after lunch snack. It is. It is. But anyway, we're talking NFL draft. Ron and I were just talking about the Chiefs and their propensity for how good they are in the later rounds of the NFL draft. All right, let's sit here. Let's get to the fun part. All right, so I always recommend, it's called the Rich Hill trade chart. Mm-hmm. Just get on your Google, get on your phone, whatever, and go type in Rich Hill trade chart. It used to be Jimmy Johnson's the one they used, but then more and more teams started using Rich Hill. For example, the Chiefs are sitting there at pick uh, 31, so the assigned value on that is 190 points. Now, it would take you, say, if you wanted to go to 15 where Green Bay is, that takes 315 points. So you're sitting there going, okay, we need 125 points to jump up. Where are you going to get that? Well, the Chiefs' second-round pick is worth 82 points. The third-round pick is 42 you get to the seventh round, those bad boys are worth one point each. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> if you think about trades and if you should trade the move up, think about what it's going to cost you. It's the same thing the year after and, and and beyond. But think about what the value would be. And then also, after that, think about trade partners. For example, 22 Baltimore has traded you before with Orlando Brown. They made a huge mistake, and they know they did because they helped their rival. Probably not going to trade with you again. But again, it's Baltimore. Who knows? Minnesota at 23. Very, very likely trade yeah. partner because the Vikings and Chiefs have done business. Kind together. of a new regime, too. I mean, different they're, they're analytic NFC. approach. They trade down last year. They traded down quite a bit last year, if you recall. Chiefs um, did two trades uh, with the Patriots last year, so don't rule out anything. No, but I'm glad you you mentioned kind of that range because that's kind of the range I'm looking at in this class uh, that, we're, that we got going on right now. Because I'll, I'll tell you right now, Jay, I'm a huge fan of this offensive tackle class. And I, and I think there are a lot of guys at the top of this class that the Chiefs would, could draft right away and plug in, whether it's the left or right side. Because honestly, I, I, I think I've said it on your show before. I think ideally we keep Jawan Taylor on the right side and you get your franchise left tackle in this draft you if you can. You are on that. I am. I am. Here's, 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 here's it's the ideal scenario, of course. Here's but. where I back to Left tackle is the glamorous position. Yes. And which is Gla- funny yeah. because <laughs> you think NFL teams care. They move their edge rushers around from the left side to the right side. You know why? Because they want to put them in mismatches. They want to put them against your worst tackle. Well, and the chances are for them to have success against your worst tackle is a lot more than their success against your best tackle. And they're also highly paid. So they're going to move them around and confuse you just because you're a left tackle doesn't mean you're going to see their best. Well, just look at the AFC West. I mean, you had Max Crosby coming from the right side a lot of time. He's the best Raiders edge rusher. You know, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa are interchangeable for the Chargers pretty much. And, you know, Bosa is probably the better player. But, you know, they're one side or the other. So I, you're exactly right. And and all that to say is is I really like this first-round group. And I think if some, one of them gets pushed down into this range, that 22, 23, 24 range, where, again, you, you mentioned at 25, you'd actually only need your third-round pick, according to the Rich Hill trade chart, to get to that point. That's the Giants at 25. And Jacksonville's in between Minnesota and the Giants. Obviously, Doug Peterson. Right, there you Andy go. Reed. There's a good connection there. But Jacksonville, Doug is smart. Dougie Fresh, Dougie, Dougie P. Dougie Fresh, of course. And he knows not to make the Chiefs better because the Ravens did with Orlando Brown, as we mentioned. Also, the Bills traded until we have Patrick Mahomes. Right. Which is funny because the two biggest rivals at that point both helped the Chiefs to become the monster 
They are. <laughs> so Jacksonville, I don't think, wants to go on that trend. I That's, think they play smart. I think they do smart things. I don't see them doing that. You mentioned uh, pick 25, which is Brian Dayball. Yes. Again, history with the Chiefs. Yeah, he's in the So NFC, much so though. he was the worst offensive coordinator we've ever seen in Kansas City. <laughs> he was the offensive coordinator of the 2012 Chiefs where they didn't have a lead nine weeks in the season where you can be compared to the 1927 Buffalo Bison. I digress. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so I think what you're saying is the NFC teams are probably the, at 23, the Vikings at 25, the Giants. I think that makes sense, right? That those teams might be the, the most sensible trade partners. If you get Seattle at 20, you do have to maybe give up a little more. Obviously, you'd have to give up maybe. And John Steiner's very smart. Yeah, oh, absolutely. GM at Seattle. But that's his second first-round pick, so you know he'd be probably willing to maybe you know move and deal depending on what's going on. You know, obviously someone with a bunch of draft capital to work with. But you know, yeah, absolutely. I, I think going into maybe seeing if one of those Anton Harrisons or Darnell Wrights fall into that range. You know, I think those are two really intriguing prospects. I'm I'm a huge Anton Harrison guy. I think he's someone that is you know is going to come in. He has a high ceiling as a prospect, but also a, also a high floor man. I I just think he needs to add a little strength as an NFL player you know in a few years and he's going to be someone that you know everyone wants to give a second contract and speaking of Anton Harrison is the left tackle from Oklahoma yes Anton we're not Harrison. talking like right tackle like a Darnell Wright that played mostly right Anton played left he did start like one game at right but it's a left tackle he had 446 yeah. pass or snaps last year gave up one quarterback hit that was a sec that's it that'd be at 446 he gave up one and not only that you bring him in I again Ron I you, this is where you and I differ I don't think Andy Reid starts a guy without NFL experience left tackle I just don't think it's going to happen and we can go back and forth whether that's right wrong indifferent but I don't think he does so if he's the, the but he could act the Chiefs would start a rookie at right tackle in my opinion and let's say that you know next year halfway through the year they move him over to the left side they let Juwan start there in the beginning and then they're like whoa look at we have an Anton Harrison and move him to the other side obviously I like taking a left tackle and putting him a right tackle than putting a natural right tackle because right. meaning left tackle I agree. is the better tackle in college was your left tackle. So I'm okay with the Anton playing right tackle because he's got that ability to still move over to the left side and the Chiefs love versatility. Yeah. And Anton Harrison's the guy I could see playing both bookends. Yeah, no, it makes sense, honestly. I, and I agree with that because Anton Harrison's just technically, he's just technically refined, technically sound. He has just really clean hands. He has really good footwork, you know, in his pass sets. And so I do think he's someone that, you know, because he's so technically sound already, you can ask him to, be, you know, to find another, you know, to learn another technique on the other side. But at the same time, they could just say, hey, look, if we want to really commit to Juwan T Taylor as our left tackle, there are great right tackle options, too, in my opinion. I wouldn't say great, maybe, but, you know, in terms of having Darnell Wright, you know, I, I really think as a pass setter, as a pass protector, he's going to be someone that comes in right away is going to be able to, to play and, and protect pretty well. You know, obviously, I think he has, you know, every one of these guys is going to have some uh, development to go. Daywan Jones, you know, obviously is a very interesting one, right? I mean, you know, he's such a huge dude. I don't Here, think. Here's the one thing about it. I'll stop you. He's Ohio State guy. Yeah. Not sure the Chiefs are that sold on Ohio State guys. I think they have their questions about their pro day numbers. I. Just say it. Well, I'll say there's I'm, a reason there's no Ohio State guys on this team. Well, I'm not sold on these Ohio State tackles, and and uh, to be honest with you, Paris Johnson Jr. is someone that I actually like. Anton Harrison, Darno Wright, Broderick Jones, all these guys uh, more than um, uh, Paris Johnson Jr. Although I do see the development in him, but even a guy like Jalen Duncan, if you look a little later in the draft, you know, someone that has the footwork, right? Someone that you know maybe you know at, at some points was being looked at at, at pick 31, where you don't have to move up and he's right there. It looks like maybe he's a little later in the draft, so that may be the reason you don't want to go offensive tackle in the first round. You can think about going Jalen Duncan a little later because he's someone that's kind of gotten slept on in this class a little bit. A lot of development to go. I don't think you'd feel super comfortable sure. with him at first uh, uh, day one left tackle, but he's got the footwork and the, and the quickness and the, the pass setting ability. That it, the Chiefs it, want. And here's one thing, too, with Juwan moving to the left side. 
you know, they talk about the footwork because your, your plant foot is the left instead of the right. Your first move is right. your left foot instead of the right, which can't make a difference. The only guy that I've really seen just have a ton of success of was Lilja, Ryan Lilja, because he moved side. I mean, it was in the interior. Shiner Mission Northwest, shout out. Yeah, Shiner Mission North. There you go, man. <laughs> there you go. Didn't throw six picks in one game, but still. <laughs> but, but anyway, but he, he made that switch in the NFL from, from right to left, right? So he's, he's done it and did it and was very successful. We're talking NFL draft. If you have draft questions, be sure to send them in. We got Ron uh, for the next, uh, I've got another half an hour, 913 586 7610. You talk about tackles, and I'll talk about is it really feasible at 31, or should the Chiefs plan on moving up? We'll discuss that next. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app, brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Welcome back. Happy Sunday. Jay Bentley, Grant Nicholson, producing the operation. Ron Cobb, lead analyst, Arrowhead Pride, sitting in here. Dustman, uh, back this week. Of course, the Royals. We'll talk to Josh Vernier coming up at 1030. Royals in action today versus the Minnesota Twins. And thankfully, the wind settled down because it was uh, pretty rough the last couple days. Is uh, not, a, not a day, a couple days you want to be in an airplane. <laughs> if you don't Heck like no. turbulence. Heck no. But anyway, Ron, so we're talking about pick 31. Now, I look at it like this. I look at the draft. I look who's drafting where. I mean, that's obviously important. <clears throat> Even though teams have done business with the Chiefs, which I don't understand, especially they need a left tackle like Atlanta Brown. There's the Ravens. Because the Ravens were the team at that point when they made that deal. But I digress. So I look at this and I say, okay, there's four quarterbacks that are going to be taken in the first round, in my opinion. Yep. And probably a running back before him, B. John Robinson. And then you get the, the corners, like a lot like of corners. Gonzales, a lot right? of corners. This corners. is a strong corner class. So I really a, think a, you could see a lot of them. So if you have three corners, I two tight ends, a running back, all of a sudden you're looking at the Chiefs not picking 31 anymore. They're picking 23, 24. Right. And maybe even 21, because all these players that they're not going to draft, so all of a sudden they go from 31 and they move up. Unfortunately, they're sitting there at the back of the round in all these rounds. But as we did uh, on the character concerns, we did a mock draft, all the NFL teams, no trades. We wanted to see who's off the board. My favorite receivers, Jackson Smith and Nigba, Ohio State, keep that in mind, mm-hmm. and Quentin Johnson from TCU. I actually see those guys that could be, you know, 65, 70 catch guys their first year in the NFL. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, I think it's a coin flip. I think it'd be very good. Is a chance to be a very, very good player in Jordan Addison because both these guys are back-to-back Blitnikoff winners in, in college football. So yeah, that means something. Jalen Hyatt came from nowhere. I mean, he was good, but Cedric Tillman was supposed to be the guy at Tennessee. Yes, it became Jalen Hyatt, but those guys were gone. And so I sat there, and go, okay, do you want to reach? And I know you like Zay Flowers; he was still available at this point. Do you want to reach on a five-nine wide receiver? That's what Zay stands in it, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, do you yeah. want to reach on somebody like that? Do you want to you want to accumulate a bunch of twos and threes on your roster instead of ones? There's only two guys at this point that think are surefire ones, Jackson and Quinn. But that's not no guarantee. There's no guarantee on anything in the NFL. None. Jalen could become that guy. We don't know yet. And Jordan could become that guy. We don't know. But there's four receivers that would take at 31, and we got to 31. I took Anton Harrison, the guy we just talked about the tackle from Oklahoma because I felt he was the best available. And it's a left tackle, not a right tackle like Darnell Wright at Tennessee, even though he was dominant. I went left tackle. But if you're sitting at 31 and you're the Chiefs, do you go ahead and say, okay, we'll take a Zay Flowers, the wide receiver at a Boston College, or because to me they still need line. Yeah, I'm well, looking yeah. at one guy, Patrick Mahomes. 
How do we make his life easier? Exactly. And it's not the defense. Last year, they spent seven to 10 picks on defense. It's time to go on offense. And if you ask yourself, who's Patrick Mahomes' second best receiver ever? It's Tyree Kill's clearly number one wide receiver he's ever had. Who's number two? Sammy Watkins or Juju? And there's an argument. Either <laughs> yeah. one of them. And that, what that's a, not a what great a argument. That that's question. the second best receiver he's ever played with. It's time to get him weapons. But you got to block for him, too. So there's the need. And I understand people want edge and all this. And they were all freaking out about it last year. Only for the Chiefs to have 24 more sacks last year than the year before. Finished second in the NFL behind the Eagles in sacks. They find a way to manufacture sacks. They've always done it. I'm looking at tackle or wide receiver. I'm taking the best available. Well, only if those four, even when those four are still there, Ron, I'm going that 31. Well, I, I mean, I'm just going to tell you straight up. I, I, I don't think receiver is really going to be a realistic option if you want someone like you just kind of mentioned, not a, not a two or a three, because there's a there's only going to be two or threes in this class at, at where the Chiefs are picking, in my opinion. This class is not very strong I, at receiver. I think Jacqueline Smith and Jigba is clearly the wide receiver one, the best receiver. I'm not even that sold on Quentin Johnson. I think he's a very you know high ra- a wide range of outcomes kind of player. He could be very good, but I, I could also see him busting if he doesn't go to the right situation. If he doesn't develop correctly, I do think he was in a very kind of like Tennessee, like Jalen Hyde. I think Quentin Johnson and Jalen Hyde are similar prospects in the fact that they were both in very wide open offenses in college and it allowed them to produce quite a bit. I do like Quentin Johnson a lot more than Jalen Hyde. I think Jalen Hyde's going to be Jalen Hyde's going to be a pretty one dimensional player that could be very good if he gets to the right situation. But that's why I do think I, I'm glad you, you got Anton Harrison there. That's an ideal situation. I doubt that's going to happen. I will tell you right now. It seems like Anton Harrison is going to get p- picked before that. It seems it seems like the Chiefs are going to have to get go up and get one of their offensive tackles. I just really feel like this class is going to come down to that. There's so many guys and 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 in this class with with the receivers not being that good, in my opinion, I think the offensive tackles will get pushed up. It's such an important position in the NFL. So yeah, I I think Anton Harrison's the ideal player for me in this draft. I just don't know if he's going to be there at 31, and that's where yeah they may have to trade up or if they stay put. You may just address the trenches the other way, right? You know, look into the defensive side of the ball. I think addressing the trenches one way or the other is my favorite way to go about the first pick in the class. Either pick an offensive tackle or find someone that's going to be a legitimate contributor on the defensive line and the, the defensive front. Um, because I do think they're missing some significant, you know, they could, they could use a significant contributor on the defensive front too. So what you're saying is with no receivers in the first round, because it is, there are a bunch of twos and threes wide yeah. receivers still left. Like Trey Palmer's and guys like that. Right. In, in the draft at this point. I like the mid-rounds. I but do. If you're saying what you're saying, then you're saying, well, a DeAndre Hopkins or an Eldo Beckham. Does that become more of a must-have at this point if you're not going surefire wide receiver in the first round? Because it does get scary, and the Chiefs are going to be fine. They're going to be fine with whoever. But I say make it make it easier. Because that Bengals game, they were down to nothing. They were down to Jody Fortson running wide receiver routes and Noah right. Gray. <laughs> Two tight ends running wide receiver routes because they were down to nothing. Right. Well, hey, that you mentioned the tight ends. I think that's one little key to this is that you're seeing the Chiefs be one of the high, you know, highest rate of of high, uh, multiple tight ends, three tight end personnel sets in the NFL. I think that's one way to to kind of go against the fact that you need you know five six contributing receivers. I really do think, you know, even if they miss out on Odell, I think they could just re-sign Justin Watson, draft a guy in the mid-rounds, and call it good. And, and no one will be excited about that. No one will, you know, be, be you know, throwing a parade about the fact that the Chiefs address the receiver position like that. But if that means, if that if they get that receiver position and it's sacrifice, if, if they sacrifice receiver by getting another offensive tackle, addressing the trenches like that, you know, solidifying the offensive, offensive line more, I think you make up for that a little bit, and all of a sudden you feel pretty good. Um, and then obviously maybe next year you get another, you take another swing at like a high draft pick at receiver. If it's a better receiver class, which, you know, I haven't looked that far ahead. It's Jay, the uh, Tom Brady method of doing things. Cause he was throwing the guys like, 
you know, right, Trey Brown. exactly. And he had Gronk, and Mahomes has Kelsey. But the tight but, end thing could be a way to kind of also. And all cool, good quarterbacks though had good receivers, like Peyton yeah. Manning and, and Andy, and, and, and Reggie and, Wayne and Marvin Harrison, yeah. you know. And he still has Travis Kelsey on his team, too. We don't don't need – yeah, let's not overlook the fact that Travis Kelsey is technically this team's wide receiver one, even though he's not the wide receiver. Well, the reason I say it is because with Tom Brady, he didn't get Randy Moss until later. Right. You know, Wes Welker didn't, you know, come walk through the door until later. And and he never won a ring with Randy Moss. Yeah. And he never – and Wes Welker didn't win a ring either. Didn't win a ring with either one of them, but he finally had guys to throw to at that point. Uh, Let's go real quick to – if you want to call in, you can. We'll, We'll take some phone calls here in reaction. Dan wants to uh, talk NFL draft. What's up, Dan? Hey, Bing, how you doing? I missed you last month. I had a good time at the parade. I'll talk to you. Yeah, you're right. Chiefs just need to get a wide receiver. If Odell don't come to, don't come to the Chiefs, I need to get a, uh, a, a couple of wide receivers, offensive line couple, and uh, and uh, we're fine on the defensive line. Bing, what do you think? Yeah, defensive line, I think they will go. I don't see it in the first round. Defensive line is actually pretty deep. I know like oh, I love the defensive the line class. And I will say this, though. I, I, last year we sat here and we looked at guys like Carl Loftus. I thought he was going a lot earlier than he went, to be honest with you. And he yeah. said, okay, what can you get at the end? Because I remember looking at the top 20 sackers. There was 28 because there was a bunch tied of them. In round one, 18 of those picks were picks one through 18. Oh. First round. One through 15, 12 of those picks. So almost 50% of those picks were there. I looked at last year when you took a look at the top 24 sackers because, again, four were tied, 11 first-rounders, yep. 10 out of the 24 were picks 1 through 16, yeah. one at pick 31, four second-rounders, five uh, third-rounders, three fourth-rounders, one fifth-rounder, meaning your odds yeah. go it's, possibly it, down for the— It's uh, one of the positions that it's most strictly, right? Uh, it, it happens the most strictly, and, and so— yeah, I, I do love the edge rushing class and the defensive line class. I mean, obviously, the you know the edge rushers are highlighted by like the local guy like Felix Andudike Uzama. I'd love to see him in Kansas City. I really think he fits well. He's someone who's going to develop into someone you know he can put more muscle on. You know, be you know just be even stronger, more powerful than he already is. And a local guy who played the K State, right? And played high school, exactly. But I I, I want to you know while I got the the platform here to say it right, but you know uh, real quick. The interior defensive line class, I love it. And, and my guy really in this class is Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. I think if the Chiefs can pair him with Chris Jones and have him as that A-gap, you know, be that run stuffer, be that, that gap plugger, he's going to be able to do it. But I think he has that upside. I think he has that ability to, to rush the passer as well. He knows what to do with his hands. He can rush. You know, he, he can spin moves sometimes. He has swim moves. He has rip moves. He knows what to do as a pass rusher. He needs to develop in that sense a little more, obviously, at the NFL level. But... I think that's one of my favorite prospects in this class for the Chiefs to go after. But at the same time, how valuable is that defensive tackle pick? You know, that's where, you know, depending on where it is in the draft, if you're picking it over receiver or over offensive tackle, it's going to be a delicate balance. And I don't know exactly where Keanu Benton's going to go. I think he's more of a second-round pick. I'd, I'd take him in the first round. I think he's that good. Uh, but we'll see. I, he's just one of my favorite prospects. I one of the guys say. I really like is Cameron Young from Mississippi State. Yeah, Because he's extremely go. long arms. And he's one of those guys that just really, at the line of scrimmage, can bat the ball down. And like the like the Chiefs, uh, the kind of and, the MO of the Chiefs. And I'd say he's probably going to go in a range that's more realistic for them to Third, address. Fourth, fifth round. Right, and I think that's actually the more realistic, uh, you know, to address that maybe nose tackle slash a gap, you know, kind of uh, kind of run run stuffing position. A guy like Byron Young from Alabama, you know, is a, is a big guy there. Zach Pickens, a South Carolina defensive tackle. You know, I think he might go a little earlier than that. I'd I'd say maybe, but yeah, I, I like the 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 top tier and the the depth of this defensive tackle and edge class. Honestly, hold that thought. Our text line nine one three five eight six seven six ten. Jay 
Chase Epley and Toast Service text line. We'll be back. Ron Stig going to be here one more second. We got Vernon and Royals baseball coming up at 1030. We'll talk to Josh and get you primed for the Royals and Twins today. Uh, we're carrying on till, till noon. What would you do in the first round if you're the Kansas City Chiefs? We'll discuss more of that next. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.